Bible and go, I don't know what that means. Man, I don't think that's worthy at all. But if we have a walk with the Lord, and we look at that and go, oh, this is that. This is exactly what's happening. But most of the time, our perspective needs to be changed. That's why when I pray more and more often, especially for the children, the eyes of our understanding be open, that we might know Him. Left to ourselves, we have no understanding of God, walking with the Lord and then comparing it back to the Bible and saying, oh, that's good, now I need to adjust that, then we miss God completely and many times we go astray, become bitter, uh, angry, and my life was always the worst than we ever were before. But our perspective about being here in this world and walking with Jesus, Jesus came into this world as the light of the world to illuminate us and to say, this is what is really going on. Now, many times in, in... Now, there was a... I had a wonderful segment of my life. I'm looking at uh, Elizabeth, and I said, wouldn't that, I mean, wouldn't that be nice? Just, she had no idea what's going on. She just... I mean, just... I don't remember that good part of my life. But that was one of the better parts of my life. But if I explain that part of my life in a different context, it would sound different. A while back I said there was a time in my life where I was unable to communicate. I was unable to take care of myself. My very basic bodily functions were out of control. I couldn't move. I was immobilized. When I had a need, I couldn't express it. I goodness, what a terrible oh, I was six months old. I was old that you But many times, and the Bible says, the suffering of this present life is not worthy to be compared to the glory to come. Now, many times as we read that, if we're not really walking with the Lord, I go, that's not true. I don't think suffering is good at all. But see, now, if you look back, how many people remember being six months old and all the terrible things that I just described? But it seems in the wisdom of God that these things are necessary and correct in God. But many times, if I am not looking as from God's perspective and, and for what God has as a vision for me, I will judge the, the suffering of this present life as just a bummer and a bad deal, and I don't know what's going on, I don't want any part of it. I don't compare and say the suffering is a necessary part for the glory yet to come. There is a purpose that God is working in our lives that most of the time we have no idea about, but we have to apprehend that by faith. Now, it's from that I want to begin to talk about having our perspective changed or our mind changed. The Bible says it another way. Have, um, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. My mind needs to be renewed. Renewed from what? Well, not renewed so much that, well, drugs is bad, and, you know, and I shouldn't do them. Thieving is bad, and I shouldn't. That is not what's being changed. Even sinners can have the moral people. There are people who don't steal. They think it's wrong. They're not Christians at all. Maybe they don't believe in God at all. They just believe in a society. Morals is a good thing, but only if it is connected to God's purpose. So it's not so much that we change our view, like, uh, and I believe our views on things should be changed, but that's really only the, the, the fruit of a person being changed. See, an evil tree can only bring forth evil fruit. But once a good tree should actually have the same fruits of righteousness, what God said is good, I agree with that. But 
without God and doing that, you're still off the vine and you're dead. The life must come from the Lord Jesus Christ and you must be born again. You must, the only way to come to God is through Jesus Christ. There is no other way of salvation. No matter how good you are, no matter how wonderful you are, no matter what you have done, God said, this is my son here. This is the way of salvation. Now, having our minds transformed, what does my what does that mean? Well, there's a way in which I think, the Bible says, that's just natural. It says the natural man doesn't agree with God, looks at that. Even as Christians, sometimes we look at this book and like I said, the suffering of this present age. I don't like those kinds of scriptures. I don't want I want I want the glory to be revealed now. See, I wanted to, you know, wouldn't it be nice to be born with a college education, knowing everything, not having to have mom and dad take care of you, and being oh and from a very young age, that's where our mindset is. Mom doesn't know what he's saying, dad doesn't know what he's saying, church doesn't have. Now that mindset needs to be changed. Now, that is what universe in God's hand is working on the sons of God for that purpose to be fulfilled. So that God's purpose and nature should be fulfilled in you. And he that promised the Lord Jesus Christ is well able to perform it. Have sometimes you gotten a little weary and say, man, it's never going to happen. How's the church ever going to come together? And Oh yeah, we say we're, per- you know, we're, we're disciples, but look at all this mess. That mind needs to change. Because Jesus said, I'm going to do that. But I don't see it. I didn't ask you to see it. I asked you to believe it and to do it. But now, having our minds changed to look at the Scriptures and have a mindset that agrees with God. Now, let's turn our Bibles to Proverbs. And unless I can actually... Now, I like that kind of... The sign out front kind of a little cute. Says, you know, exercise daily, run from the devil walk with God. I mean, there's a song in there. But um, that's what we need to do. We need to have a daily walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. But until I can actually make this book a practical reality, we're going to get to that as well. Because I think the enemy has successfully, for the most part, deceived the church. Now, when I say the church, isn't it easy to think of some other building? Those guys, No. Sometimes... I don't know who in here. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying this as a put-down or an accusation, but I do not know who in here is serving God. There's no way. And sometimes you don't even know if you're serving God or not. This is a mystery. It's the mystery of godliness. But what God does intend for us to do is to follow Him, and it says in the end time, everything will be revealed. So when I hear the Word of God, I must continually be convicted and continually be walking with Him to change and to grow. If that's not there, I can become hard-hearted very quickly because that's what the natural mind is. So in Proverbs chapter 3, again, I think we need to break this down. Like I said, I think the enemy has, for the most part, successfully deceives us to not really practice the Word. We practice some concept of what I say it should be or what I think it should be. But when we actually look at it, we go, that's what it says. Then I'm challenged. Then I have to be able to put something down and be willing to embrace something. And he said to Peter, tell me that you didn't want. Now, this is is where Jesus spends much of his time preaching about disciples. 
I think the enemy has deceived us. I'm getting ahead of myself. We actually miss God's practical working with us. And we spiritualize it away, and we miss what God's doing over here. And, and we're going to look at that, but that's just the lead. Okay. During my chapel class, which I hope the children enjoy, I don't know, I kind of get a kick out of it because we just mostly get along and talk about things, right? Just like in, in life, right? Something, somebody's acting up, doing something. I don't know if I bring that out of people when they're just like that all the time. But this happens and that happens and someone's late and someone didn't do their homework and someone comes up to chapel crying, kind of like church. You know, someone's been moving all weekend, someone's car broke down, someone's out of money, someone's like this, someone got in a fight with mom and dad. Well, that's where God wants to meet you. Now, see, I don't, I don't like that. The, the, the victim of the lion in the flesh says, that is not God. I don't want to deal with that. I won't deal with that. I'm going to... And God says, no, my son, this is what I want you to deal with now. And I said, as I start to go through those things and walk with the Lord, I go, oh, that's what he's talking about. Now, simply because I don't agree with it, or even suffer through it. See, some, how many of you have just suffered through some things? That's what the Bible calls endurance and patience. One of those wonderful qualities that we go, yes, I want it, till I actually have to have it. Wait a minute. I don't. Oh, now I need to make that correlation so that my mind can be transformed. Now, most of us read these the scriptures like this. Okay, chapter three of Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto your own understanding. How many people? I mean, maybe you're not frank. Believe that to believe that to be true. That's a true statement. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Amen. Okay. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you think you're smarter than everybody else? Well, no, most of we would still honestly would say, well, no, I, I, there might be a couple people that I'm smart. But I mean, most would say, well, no, no, I'm not. If I put it another way, are you smarter than God? Well, absolutely not. Now, that's a true statement. But how do we walk? Now, something happens. Something happened in chapel class, which happens all the time in our lives. I was speaking to... I wonder who we're talking about. I was speaking to one of the children who is very young, and I'm a man of 57 years old. been around, I have some experience, not that that means a whole lot, but I have more experience and more wisdom than a child of 10. I don't, want, I don't want to tell you who I'm talking about, but anyhow. <laughs> but it wouldn't just be Benny. See, I'm just only using this as an analysis. That's why I said I enjoy it, because we're pretty able to talk there and, you know, call things out. And I don't know if they do get offended or not, but we get over it pretty quick here, and things happen, and people get punished right in chapel class. And I have to change my subject, and, you know, 15-minute class ends up going 30 minutes because someone's crying and I don't know, and talk to somebody else, and... Everything like that's going on. But anyway, I, I forget what I actually said, but I gave him some instruction. His answer was, oh, no, that's not true. Now, what did that just say? 
It said, I'm smarter than you. I know more than you. Now, if you would ask him, are you smarter than Mr. Bedoyan? Well, no. But in our actions, I prove that I am. Are you following me? Now, many, uh, we would never do that to God. Because we say we believe, but then God would say, don't eat of that tree. And you think this, 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 and this, and what do I do? I eat of that tree. I'm smarter than God. I I know some things. That's the problem. We know some things. So what I want us to start to work on is not being smarter than everybody else. Or for that matter, anybody else. Now at at some point, children at a very young age, probably at the age of one and a half, two, begin to immediately, and from then on it's an ever-increasing battle because desire seems to rise up. You know, at first when a child's born, they don't care what they wear. They wear diapers or they wear, you know, the paper diapers or they wear nothing or they wear these crazy little hats. They don't care. Everything's new and exciting. But pretty soon they start to, I don't like that. I want this. I want a bigger cookie. I want, now that's ever-increasing. Now, unless that is controlled, that is rules man. When I want, I have to have. That is not the mind of God. We look at Jesus Christ continually emptying himself. Although he is God, he knew less than any man. He allowed himself to be in that place. Now that's suffering and that's the humility that God wants to work in us. So this rises up in us that we actually practice what the Bible calls pride or arrogance. And the Bible says that's one of, that's one of the seven deadly sins. Did you know that? Pride, the haughty look, is one of the seven deadly sins. It actually lists that one above murder, fornication, robbery. Yeah. Thank you, Don. I get one amen. Okay. But see, we, we wouldn't think like that because naturally we like to be proud. We like to be right. That is where my mindset needs to change. Now, how am I going to change that? By just reading that? Trust in the Lord. No, but when Mr. Bedoyan says... Yeah, but the tree looks... You're correct. And my mind is then changed. Are you following that? Okay. So we need to work on not being smarter than those that God has put over or in our lives for instruction. Now now we get back to the concept of instruction and counsel and discipleship. So here you have... That's why most of what what we talk about here in the book of Proverbs is... The father, who's been around for 57, 58, 60, 35 years, and the child, who is... Now, you see, you have two different roles. It seems like when God does things, he always defines them. You have the role of the father, you have the role of the mother, you have the role of it. The father is the instructor, the teacher. Or in another way, they say in the Hebrew, he's the master. Did you, did, you, did you feel that? Someone just felt smarter than somebody else in this room just then. And it was the devil. See? Not, not still, still battling with it. It's okay. And the child is the student. And he should learn those things. Now, most of the things that he's going to or she's going to have to learn, he may not want to readily agree with. They may look foolish. Like, Isaac, bring the wood up for the sacrifice. There's no sacrifice here, Dad. 
you're kind of getting old. And he allowed that to work. So, now, if now we're going to turn to, and we're going to come back to Proverbs, but I, I, I hope that's clear. I don't know, I'll, like I said, some of these things I just have to start speaking and as we continue on them. But basically, condescend to men of lower state. Don't think you know everything. And when you hear instruction, as it's given from, from God and from the way that he's had it, be, beware that you don't think you're smarter than somebody else. Now, you'd never say that, but my actions may do that. And therefore, I've been deceived, as the Bible says. Now, Luke chapter 16. Then we'll get... Now, again, I think these things tie in as foundations or strong supports to what we're going to be talking about in the area of instruction and counsel. Because if my mindset is not changed, then God can speak to me and I can hear all kinds of wonderful things, but I just will not receive them. I just won't do them. The Bible says you can, you can yell at a fool, you can beat a fool, you can instruct them, you can show them. He just says, I just won't do that. I'm smarter than that. I don't want to... So the mindset has to be changed that says, Father, instruct me that sometimes, well, most of, that this suffering is good. I will trust that God is working in my life even though I feel this, I see this, I have evidence. I must know that God's calling in my life is moving me this way and I give myself to that. If that's not there, there's always an excuse, a reason, another deal to go on that says, don't do that. You don't have to. Those are always there. That's what the Bible calls temptation. See? See, Jesus was hungry when he was tempted. He, didn't come, he just didn't walk out of the Golden Corral buffet. And the devil says, here, he's been fasting for 40 days, the verge of starvation. Everything naturally, everything naturally, it wasn't like this was fake. Everything naturally was saying, eat. As a matter of fact, you must eat or you will die. But there was something greater in the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ than his own life, death, satisfaction or unsatisfaction, doing what is right, it was the will of God. That must be there. Because if not, again, we could have just looked at the words and I turn his stones into bread. He is walking with his father. He comes to know his father. And therefore, he's able to rightly go back and say, oh, that's what my father meant by that. Not, oh. Okay. Like I said, I believe the enemy, for the most part, even amongst ourselves, cleverly and almost successfully deceives us. And I think it's been going on for centuries. It's actually almost become a part of the church and a teaching of the church because it caters to the natural man and to the fleshly man, and that is easy to do. If we look, we've been looking at some of the, the, the things that the Lord Jesus Christ would do. He would put his own reputation at stake. He'd put his own sympathies at stake. He would put his own love at stake. He would put his own very personal and deep relationships at stake for the will of God. And we talked about a little bit on Wednesday. Lazarus, when it goes on to talk about raising Lazarus from the dead, it goes on to say this, he was acquainted with this family. They knew him personally. They had a relationship. They, Jesus loved Lazarus, and it goes on that he said he loved him very much. This wasn't like, okay, well, God just loves everybody. There was a soulish or fleshly bond that was obvious to other people. 
They said, man, man, Lazarus asked him to do something. He'll do it. And Jesus would have to turn away that natural relationship for a greater relationship that he thought. And so when he got there, nobody liked him. They were talking behind his name. Couldn't he have saved him? And why did they? Mary and Martha were upset. And, and he said, this is for the glory of God. Sometimes he would, a young rich ruler would come and say, what must I do for eternal life? And he would have to see someone go away and it says he grieved after him. See, Not just, okay, well, let me just tell you what to do. Yeah, let's go heal Lazarus because we're good people. There is something greater than good. It says Jesus learned obedience. This same type of obedience that we're talking about today of not being the smartest man on the planet. Well, God, God, And he could have said, well, God lives in me. I can go raise him from the dead. I know I can do it. I'm the resurrection and the life. That's a pride and hearty attitude. It's not necessarily what you have the truth. The devil has the truth. But his attitude is one of arrogance and unsubmission and proud. And everything that he speaks then is a lie because it comes from that attitude. Now, that has to be continually battled against, continually brought into subjection because it never totally disappears. It can be buffeted. It can be channeled. And this is where God seems to be working in our life. And this is where we need to start apprehending. And I haven't always done this. Like I said, I'm coming to the and wow, you know, boy, I've been a blockhead. I used to say, boy, I, that was a, I used to be really stupid. I don't say that anymore. I said, boy, I am stupid. I just, you know, I, I, I wish I could change. I mean, that was a dumb decision. And I'm looking back over some 57 years, but 30-some, 38 years of being saved. And over those 38 years, unless by the grace of God and God moving miraculously, Almost every decision I made has been stupid. Sometimes God has made them work out together. And, and I think my wife has said to me one time, well, she's probably said it more than one time, but maybe one time I sank in. She said, when are you going to learn? And it dawned on me, I'm not. I keep doing the same stupid thing. Now, there is some growth. But I mean, man, you think I'd be smarter than that. we have to depend wholly on Jesus Christ working in our life. There is no good in you. There is no good in me. See, the only thing we have of any worth is the Lord Jesus Christ and His salvation. See, And sometimes we even get hit with that coming to church. Is there anybody... There's a, there's a, there's a verse in, the, in Revelations where uh, the angel hands John a book and the he says, the seven seals on this book. And I think everybody's wondering what those seven seals are and what all that means. I, don't, I think if God wanted us to know that, he would tell us that. Very easy, Victor, here's what the seventh seal means. I would maybe not even understand that. But, he would but what he does tell us is very clear to be understood. Here's a book. And it said, John wept because there was no one worthy. There was no one worthy in all of creation. From all time immemorial, there was no one worthy to open that book. The saints of God were not worthy. The angels were not worthy. The cherubims were not worthy. Creation was not worthy. All things under the earth and over the earth and throughout all time where there was not one worthy to be found to open that book. And he began to weep. John the Apostle, not crucified, but Martin, not martyr, but persecuted for the Lord. Caught up on the seventh, on a, on a, on a, on a, on a seventh, not the seventh day, a holy day. 
He wasn't able to open the book. This was the one that Jesus loved. He wasn't able to open the book. And sometimes we feel that same way. Maybe you come to church and, oh, I can't sing today. I'm not worthy. Is anybody here worthy to be accepted in the Beloved? Are you worthy to be here at church? The glorious, wonderful answer would be, no, thank God. Because your worthiness would not be able to get us in. The only answer would be, I am not worthy. The blood of Jesus Christ allows me to come in. That would be our only worth. And and finally, the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the world comes and opens the book because He's the only one who's worthy. Our good works, even all... Even if you, some people actually can make good decisions. I like being around people like that. I like to find people that make good decisions. Now, some people that make good, good decisions don't know what to make them about, though. The wonderful thing, but they're just making all these good decisions on things that are like, well, that's a stupid thing to do, but it was right. The, the, the planning was good, but man. I, and so then we need God to bring us together. Coming to a place to where we are unworthy, except for the Lord Jesus Christ, be lifted up in our midst, Lord call us here. So today, I hope we're all unworthy to be here and we can allow the blood of Jesus Christ to be our worth. Now, again, coming back to this idea where I believe the enemy, Satan cleverly looks at the church and most of the time, most of the time, I I don't believe Satan has to really attack you. I think if Satan ever really attacked you, there wouldn't be much of an attack. It'd be like, you know, showing up with a knife to someone who had a, a flamethrower. It'd be like, boom! There was, it's not even a fight. You know, the devil is an archangel. I mean, God, he doesn't have, God does not have a problem with the devil. I'm talking from man's perspective. God's not up there, man, I hope I can win. It's a done deal. God has already taken all the power of the enemy. He is judged. He is gone and defeated. But from our perspective, and the devil's really getting on me. And if the devil ever came to you, you wouldn't have there wouldn't be there wouldn't be a fight. But I think most of the time the devil just sends some deception that actually just works in our flesh, a temptation that says, "Oh yeah, I think that's a good thing." And that's why I think we, we need to be careful in saying, "Okay, Lord, you teach me. I don't want to be wise in my own eyes. I want to trust in the Lord." So now, how do I trust in the Lord? Well, here he's telling me, "This is who I am. This is what you should do." Now. What is trusting in the Lord? I begin to do that. Regardless of what my mind says, no matter if I fail or succeed or I never see it come to pass, I will trust in the Lord and lean not to my own understanding. The only reason a five-year-old child would tell a parent or a teacher, you don't know what you're talking about, thinks he's smarter than them. The only reason Adam would eat of the fruit, he would eat of the fruit. Thinks he's smarter than God. Ananias and Sapphira. I said, we don't why do now if we think logically, I mean here we're all sitting in a nice comfortable room with no problems right at the moment, thinking about Mother's Day coming up with to have a nice big feast here, everything's wonderful. If we would think logically, none of us would sin. We'd say, man, I wouldn't do that, I would never do that, I would never, you know, I would think, well, no, I, I, I just wouldn't do that. I you know think but when we sin, we're not thinking logically. We're thinking stupid, even though we think it's smart. See, it's like sin is not logical. I mean, I remember you know, ra- raising children. Sometimes they would go like this to me. And I look like Goliath. And they're like, 
And I'm going, are you out? I, I, I always like to grab them by the shirt. There's something about, especially you have these eyes. And he said, are you wanting to fight with me? No, 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 no. Now you understand correctly. And I think sometimes God has to do that to us, to Jonah. Made a great fish. Jonah said, I'm ready to listen. See, now, we don't think large sometimes. Sin is not like something we think out loud. I think I'll be tempted. Think I'll sin. Think I'll no. It just grabs us. But that's why this book needs to be understood, and the author of this book needs to be understood, so that we can walk hand in hand. Okay. Luke chapter sixteen. This is kind of a funny group of verses, in my opinion, because at the very end of it, you could. You, it, it seems like depending on your point of view, he could be just dissolving the all that he said. Okay, let's start in verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in that which is much. Amen? Let's get some amens going on, because we believe this, right? We believe this, yes. Except when it comes to little things that just aren't so important. Right? Well, how many people have ever heard this? That's not so important. God doesn't care about that. No, why are you making such a big issue of that? That's not so important. Everybody, how many people have said that? How many people have heard that? How many people agree with that? Well, yes, I do, but that's not what this says. This actually says the exact opposite. Oh, you mean I think I'm smarter than God? That's the sin. Oh, it's not so important. I don't think it's that important. I watch my father's sheep. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's so important. I'll just keep this piece of gold when they were supposed to destroy everything. You know, I don't think it's so important to wait. I don't think it's so... This is what I'm doing. The suffering of this present age is not to be compared to the glory that's to come. So, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful in that which is much. He that is unjust in least is unjust in that which is much. If If therefore ye have not been faithful with the unrighteous mammon, now, this is a mind-boggling statement to me. Basically, what Jesus is saying, if you're not faithful with the things that I really care little about, what I would actually call unrighteous, and he's basically the, the things of this world, the things which we would say don't matter, you have no business talking to me about those things, I can do whatever I want, He says, if we're, not, if we're not faithful, what's the word faithful mean? Anybody know what that means? Full of faith, actually. It means, oh, I believe that, I'll do that. And then basically what that produces then is a person who is faithful. You can count on him. Because he says, I believe you, I'll do that. I believe you, I do that. I believe, not, oh, I believe you some, I got your back 50% of the time. Well, you're probably going to have, if you have my back 50% of the time, you're probably going to have it in the wrong 50%. I don't need 50%. I need 100%. Faithful, okay. Faithful with the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you the true riches? Now, I'm going to read the whole thing. And if ye have not been faithful with another man's, who shall give you your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, it seems to be the contradiction there. Because most people say, well, you can't serve God. But he seems to put, the verses before that, puts an awful lot 
of value on our response of how we handle all the unfaithful mammon. But then he says, be careful because there's a snare. You can just get caught up with the unfaithful mammon, the unrighteous mammon. We're not supposed to serve that. And a lot of times, we do get caught up. Not that it becomes something that we're serving, but something that actually masters us and starts to dictate how I think about things. Instead of saying, God has put me here, and you know what? I do need to go through the diaper stage. I need to go through the training pan stage. I need to go through a time when my parents are talking to me and I have no idea. What if I just got up here and said, and now turn to Acts 2.16, for years the child is just, what? What? Are they crazy? And pretty soon that child becomes crazy too. And they start to say words and pretty soon they're under... They go through a... See, how many people don't want to go through all of that? You want to all be born potty trained. Talking well. Being the boss. God says, that is not the way I do it. I got to say, oh, that's a good thing. Even though I suffer in that, and even though I might say, you know, I don't like that, saying, God, that's what you want. Okay, let me start working with that. Now, I don't want that to overrule me because sometimes I just... See, well, can't serve God or mammon. And basically in saying that, we really let the things of this world, the unrighteous mammon, actually run our life. So I'm beginning to think, like, okay, what could possibly happen? If we're in God's hands, what if everything taken away from us? Well, we haven't lost anything. I mean, in this world, good. What if everything is taken away from us? The Bible says we haven't lost anything, but Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We have everlasting life. We have him who is the Lord God and the creator of all things. So, but I want to go back here now. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will give you the true riches? But Jesus basically is saying, I'm not giving you all the stuff that I... said. In other places he says, there's a lot of things I want to tell you I can't tell you now. There's things that Paul the Apostle seemed to see that God said, I'm showing you, you can't tell anybody. There are some things that you're going to have to take as a faithful servant. But again, we've been deceived to actually think that, oh, I'm going to want to listen to God on the important things or the spiritual things. How many people have ever heard that? You can, you can speak to me about spiritual things. Jesus says, no, that's not where I'm starting. As a matter of fact, if you cannot hear me on things that pertain to the unrighteous mammon, these things that are seemingly small and unimportant, I will not tell you anything of any value. If you cannot find out or you cannot be taught how to wash your dishes, I definitely am not going to trust you with the kingdom of God. Wait a minute. Well, wait, that's exactly right. Is, now, is that what your Bible says? But how many people would like to say, I'm smarter than God? Nope, you can't deal in that area of my life. That's a personal area. That, that, that's not important. Jesus made it very clear, that is where exactly where I want to deal, because you show me that you're faithful. And if you can't deal with that, we'll never give you the true riches. Maybe some of us are walking around going, I don't know what's going on, I don't know what God... Maybe you haven't done what he's asked you to do. Maybe you haven't been taken the instruction in the un righteous area. This whole life is unrighteous. 
It's, it's, it's dying away. It's um, corruptible, the Bible talks about. And that's where God wants to meet us. And most of us are running away from that, trying to get into all these. I just, I just, someone just told me he's supposed, the, 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 May 21st, is that it? Jesus is supposed to be coming back. You know what I would do? We're going to have a Mother's Day thing here. And then after that, it's going to be Monday morning. We're going to get up and serve the Lord. And how are we going to serve the Lord? Just like he says here. Okay. Now, I, I, I don't want, I'm, I'm kind of like hammering on that, but I want us to get kind of excited about that. See, I, I don't sense like a, man, that, you know, that's a right thing. I know that's going to cause me to really do some stuff. See, if I can't, if I can't hear instruction on, name it, then I will never hear the instruction that God wants to speak to me about. If you can't get it right about how to brush your teeth, I'm going to tell you the great atomic, you know, secrets of the universe? No way. Now, let's turn now. Now that we've, again, uh, and, uh, Proverbs chapter, chapter 3. So I think we need to give ourselves, like it says in Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. We always lean to our own understanding. Why? That's the warning. Wait a minute. I've always done my dishes. I've always... Nope, nope, nope. My son, this is what you need to do. I've got that. I'm going to do that. And we'll find that we're faithful. And once you're faithful... See, Abraham was faithful. Moses was faithful in all his house. And little were added, and little was added, and pretty soon you're growing. But I find that those that you cannot trust with a dime, you're not going to trust with a thousand dollars. Now, see, this is like very simple, very basic, something I can actually practice or not practice. It's something that you can say, you know, I can't, I mean, I might love you, but I don't, I don't trust you. Right. See, now Jesus actually said that. He said he never trusted anybody. He trusted his father because he knew it was in the heart of man. But it would seem like he was trusting people. more than he was trusting God ultimately. Well, I don't, I don't let anybody run all over my life. You don't have anybody running all over your life. Except God is leading you and trying to teach you to, and to form you into His image. Okay, so that's why we have in chapter 3, we've, we've read the first few chapters of this. We're going to just try to go through this because I do want to move on. Okay, chapter 3. My son. Now again, we talked about this. When it says my son, many times we think of the children. But it, it, before that, it's a father speaking. So it's not just instruction to the children. This is instruction to the fathers, the parents, of how they are to conduct themselves to their children. Fathers and parents should require... I don't know if you can expect. Maybe they're the same thing. A certain response to their commands. And the word is... Fathers don't make requests. God doesn't, I mean, he makes requests, but when God speaks, he doesn't yell, he doesn't, he says, let there be light. It wasn't, and you better have some light or I'm going to beat you to death. Let there be light. And what happened? It was a command. Now that's the, oh, now I, we just read something. It could either be a, a command or, oh, that's what the Father wants. I'm going to be faithful in the small things. 
would someone please t teach me how to? Oh, okay, thank you. I know how. To, okay, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Now, well, I know how to do some things here. I've been around for so long and uh, been. Oh, don't know anything. Lord, help me. So the fathers then are to be instructing the children. Now, the children's job. Now we get these roles mixed up. Children would like to be bosses, and fathers would like to hide. I don't know why that is. A lot of people are just. But the father's job is, okay, children, God has spoken to me, and this is, this is what we're doing. The children's job said, okay, I'm going to do that. Okay, my son, forget not my law. So there's some things being spoken saying, this is the way you should do things, this is the way you should do things, this is the way you should do things. And the, the instruction is, don't forget that. Now, you, maybe you hear a lot of talk, especially, I mean, it's, it's hard to find of anything of any uh, moral quality that, that uh, uplifts you on TV or advertisements or even just walking down the street anymore. But, uh, now I'm old enough. I don't have to listen to you. Now, we might not say that like that, but you might be given instructions and say, I don't think so. No, you don't understand. I'm not asking a question. This is what you're doing. Now, fix that. That's all there is to it. Now, you can take that in a place of like, oh, man, or you can take that in love. See, now we, before we came to the Lord Jesus Christ, would hear the gospel and we ah, oh, man, a gospel. Oh, who does he think he is? But now when we hear Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, we go, yes, that's true. We say, what do you mean just one way to heaven? Who could have Now we, there's one way to heaven. We love that. See, what has changed? Well, my perspective. See, I began to walk with him. My eyes have been open. Your eyes are not completely open in all areas. We need some help. Forget not my law, but let them... But let thine heart keep. Keep my commandments. It's easy to let the commandments of God and the things which you have taught fade away. The children of Israel, what happened to them? It wasn't like one day they just woke up and said, man, we hate God. They began to forget the commandments. If you read the prophets, they stopped keeping the Sabbath. They started chiseling on their offerings. They stopped doing this. They stopped doing that. And pretty soon, the commandments that God had given them were not being kept they become unfaithful in the unrighteous mammon. They become unfaithful because most of the commandments of God that were given under the law had to do with how they walked in this world. And most of the things God wants to deal with you on is how you're acting here in this world. You know, I don't think we're going to have to worry about dressing modestly in heaven. We're not even going to have to worry about how I need to treat my wife in heaven. It seems like we're not going to be married. That was kind of <laughs> Yeah. This is dealing with this life right now with real life stuff because if you don't, if you can't hear that, when you get to heaven, I don't know how much he's going to tell you. It's kind of like a test. It's kind of like something that we're going through. It's some suffering that we're going through here for God to perfect us. Let's apprehend it. Let's start keeping some commandments. Keep them. Oh, got it. Now, I'll go through here quickly. Um, five one. Nope, let's four one. Hear ye, children, the instruction of a father and attend to understanding. Now, again... It's instruction. What kind of instruction are you going to get? Well, some of it probably is going to be spiritual, 
But in this world, even spiritual instruction takes on some stuff you got to do. But most of the instruction we get, you're going to have to be, you got to be up at 8 o'clock. You got to do this. You got to do that. Now, either we can hear that and become faithful people that are receiving God's instruction to us, or we become lazy and don't hear it. So, okay, let's be more spiritual. You got to read your Bible. Well, you know what you actually have to do to read your Bible? You have to sit down, make time, and actually read it physically. If you're going to pray, you're going to have to make time to pray. If you're going to come to church, you've got to come to church. So even the, quote, spiritual things are real, live stuff you've got to. And again, present your... That's when we believe, right? Until we actually have to present my body. I mean, even Peter the Apostle... When, he, when Jesus when I talked about it, he was raised from the dead, Jesus gave him a revelation. He was going to present his body a living sacrifice. Actually, it ended up being a dead one. And what was Peter's response? Well, what about him? He said, don't you worry about that. You present. When we, get, when we actually get nailed down, we start squirming. We start justifying. It wasn't my fault. It was you, you gave me this wife, and it wasn't you made me do this. And I, We're unworthy. Lord, I've sinned prodigal son. I've sinned against you heaven and before my father. I'm, I'm no longer worthy. And then we see grace being poured out. Okay, instruction. There's just too many rules and regulations around here. I don't think that, well, they might be because you're not doing them. But wouldn't it be nice to, oh, but there's only one law. It's the law of love. Yes, if you love me, you do what I say. That's what the Bible, I, I, Jesus said that. And what did he say? Well, be faithful in the small things. And he goes on to delineate what that means. Because sometimes I don't know what to love means. So he says, this is the way you need to treat your wife. I don't feel like this is the way you need to treat your husband. This is the way you need to... Okay. And now I'm going to walk in love. Hear instruction. My son, chapter 5. My son, attend unto my wisdom and bow thy ear to understanding. There should come a place to where I'm attentively wanting to hear. Now, see, don't wait for the feeling. Because sometimes you're not going to get that inspiration. Inspiration like that has to come by faith that says, you know, I choose to hear what my father is saying. Not, they finally caught me. I was hiding under my bed. My dad dragged me out and made me do what he... That's not attentiveness. Okay, that's being forced. That's not love or faith. But the, the, the heart of what he's saying is, my son, when I speak to you, Attend on them. Listen to it carefully. There's something you're going to hear that maybe you don't quite understand yet. But you're saying, Father, I've got that. And I'm going to write that. I'm going to do that. And incline thine ear to understanding. See, we're going around. Okay. I got that. Almost like, like what they did with the Gospels. They, they followed Jesus around. Now, now he's doing this. And now he's doing this. Now he's doing this. And you know what it says a lot of times? It says they didn't understand what Jesus was doing right then and there. But afterwards... That's what that was. Not like, man, that guy's a kook. Oh, come on. Okay, let me get that. There's a re- this is God working. He did this. Now, sometimes, even when we're talking about children, you know how ch- children learn how to talk? They just start imitating. They actually don't even know what they're saying most, much of the time. They start imitating, and pretty soon, they've got it. Not at the time, but it comes through by faith and patience, through imitation of those who, through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. Okay, it's verse 6. Now again, there is many, many scriptures on this. 
God is trying to say, I want you to hear this over and over and over again because likely you're not going to want to hear it and you forget it. And the whole world is saying, especially today, you don't have to do that. My son, again, father speaking here, gives instruction. Okay. This is the one I wanted to turn to. Chapter 6, verse 20, because I'm gonna, I want to take off a little bit on this. Talked about this some, but it's very important to understand this. Um, 6, 20. My son, keep thy father's commandments and forsake not the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart and tie them about your neck. Now, talked about that in the law where it says bind these things. It, these things need to be like, okay, got that, and I'm, I'm binding them on there. Why? Because you know what happens? It's easy to get lost. It's easy for the prodigal son to go and well, he's just living like this and you bind that. Mom's telling me to do something. Dad's telling me to do something. I've been given some instruction in the church. I'm going to, I'm going to keep that. I'm going to do that because through the rapids of life, man, those things go bind them on you. But now the law of the mother. Now this, I'm going to speak to the women here since it's Mother's Day. Isn't that nice? Because you know how I feel about all these wonderful things we do. Where I'm trying to find this. Okay, 20. Forsake not the law of the mother. Women have a tremendous, tremendous role in the kingdom of God. God has created women to be a help meet for man. They have a, a tremendous ability to either create or to destroy. Proverbs talks about this many times. It says the, 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 the virtuous woman speaks with kindness, she speaks with wisdom, she's planning out well, but says, man, can't even, you know, it'd be better to be in the, the, the continual dripping than to be with a contentious woman. It'd be better to live in a shack than to be around a witch. I'm, in, I'm paraphrasing. but You have the tremendous ability to either build up your husband or to tear them down. Eve made a mistake. Or more than a mistake, she just sinned. Like seeking her own vision and own life. Women, do not do that. Because like Adam, you have a tremendous influence over your husband. Most of you know that. Some of you use it incorrectly. Don't do that. The vision, and husbands, you need to start preaching the vision and your purpose to your family, and the woman needs to get a hold of that. Says that's what we're doing. And now she takes that vision, and she starts laying out her house to fulfill that vision. See, now if she doesn't have a vision, she's still got all those instincts in her, and she'll use those for her own good and her own thing, and she'll start doing this but the vision of God is in there. She'll start saying, okay, husband, we're going into all the world to preach the gospel. We've been called here. Then I'm going to make my house in order. I'll make your life as, as easy as possible. I'll support you in any way. And that, what, what that, why that is, is because men need a helpmeet. See, when God created Adam, you know what he said? This is not good. Now, I, I don't know why he did that. He says, not good for man to be alone. Men are the... If you've got a vision from God, there's going to come times that that's tempted, tried, 
It's going to come times that you want to give up. You don't think it's worth it. You're going to think that, man, we shouldn't be here. We don't need to be doing this. Come on, hon. Let's go someplace else. I'll make your life easier. I'll buy you a mink stole or something. Or maybe a, you know, a nylon one nowadays. Some, you miss the romance. Oh, I bought you this nylon stole. Maybe that's why so many divorces. Get some mink. All right. The woman needs to sometimes say, I know what you're going through. Take some abuse. But she's not changing. She said, you spoke a vision. You're going to do it, hon. Hang with you in there. We'll go through everything. doesn't matter if I don't get that mink stole. doesn't matter. Sometimes you're just going to have to be quiet, but you don't change. Sometimes you'll have to speak some encouragement. Say, no, I know that's not what you believe. And don't you hear me? That is what I believe. Oh, I know it's not what you believe. You're going to have to keep your tongue. Because it's easy for the woman to say, oh, good, finally we're out of here. I get my own way. Don't do that. Her law needs to be there. That's why I tell you your houses, your home needs to be in order. You don't need any confusion. You don't need any other things other than what God has laid out for you to be in. Your life needs to be fairly in order because when all hell breaks against you and if you are a man of God, called of God, for sure you are going to be beaten. You are going to be tested. You are going to be tried. You're going to do everything you can, the enemy can to make you turn away from the vision. Maybe not backslide, but become a person that is undisciplined, undirected, and without authority in their life. And the woman has to say, No, hon, we're living this way. I'll pray for you. I'll be with you. Do whatever you want. But we're not leaving. We're standing. I'll stand with you. Go through it. Whatever. We're moving on. You need to learn how to be a support. And that means putting down your life because sometimes might be better over there. might be a better job over there. No, God, you've called us here. This is what we're doing. Learn to be a help meet, a support to the vision, a support to your husband when he looks like he's, man, doesn't have any strength whatsoever. Looks like that vision is being torn apart. You have your house in order. The law of the mother. This is what we do. Get your house in order. And so pretty much the woman, you read Proverbs 31. There's hardly anything spiritual in that verse at all, in those verses. And the woman, uh, as she gets up at a 6.30 in the morning, and as she's a-praying, I want to tell you she's a-praying in tongues like no one's ever seen before. As she's a-praying vision. I don't want a wife that's seeing visions. I want a wife that's taking care of me. I want her vision to be me. I want you being selfish. No, I'm being what God wants me to be. I used to be totally unlike that. I didn't want a wife. I didn't want anybody taking care of me. I didn't want anything. And here comes along Miss Proverbs 31, chewing gum. Get our house in order. Proverbs 31, what does she do? She's not a woman that just likes to waste time. Now, I know there's a lot of people here who don't think they waste time. How many of you, I, you waste time at home? No, I am so busy. But is this done? Is this done? We had a lesson here at, 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 in um, chapel class. This is what we talk about. I said, how many people's beds are made? Now, it's very, very interesting. Everybody knows whose beds aren't made other than their own. It's a, it's, we must have the spirit of prophecy. Because immediately, there's five boys in the Vols family. Three hands go up. No one's ratting on themselves. It's... 
Or you get this one. Yes, my bed is made. I said, okay, now we need to, now, is this important? Well, according to the scripture, it seems to be very important. If you don't, if you can't hear me telling you how to make your bed, I'm going to tell you what, what am I, I mean, goodness, I'm going to trust you with what? See, now, I, I use making a bed, I'm just going to reveal some personal areas in my own life. Even when I, after I, when I, when I started to totally clog out, I, I lived in the basement of my own, of, of my house. And I had, I, I had my own room. I would get up in the morning and throw all my covers on the floor. When I got home, I'd go to bed. And so making the bed was always, it was not like, oh, man, you were raised that way. No. I was raised in the Lord to have respect to his word and to do some things that were required of me. And so I found out what, you know, making a bed or having your bed made has lots of interpretations depending on who you're asking. See, this is not making a bed. See, so I said to some of the children, I said, does your bed look like grandma's bed? Defined. It was now defined. Then it's not made. See, if you think it's made when grandma... The teacher, mom and dad, tell you this is, what are you really saying? I'm smarter than you. And being having your bed made doesn't mean there's a whole bunch of junk underneath it. See, this is not making your bed. Now, why is this important? Because if you're not hearing that, you will not hear anything. And if you won't hear that, God help the husband you're going to marry. And husbands need to set the tone in the home for what they expect. Okay? So that when you're down, that's why two walk together. That when you're down, the wife can say, okay, husband, what is it? Come on, we're going on. This is what we're doing. I know it's a hard time now. But Proverbs 31, you read that. You say, wow, that, how does this woman have time for all that. Of course, she probably, when she was younger, her dad and mom told her, like, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And you know what she did? She began to do it. And that woman is blessed in all she does. And you know who else is blessed? Her husband. Her husband is sitting in the gates doing the work of God because this woman has, has and said, husband, we're doing this together. I'll take, set you free. You're doing that. Because sometimes... Took them home. Hey, are you, are you getting that? See, some of you think, oh man, you're, you're anti woman. I'm not. I think it is, I, I wish we'd get more of these women to do more. But do it like this book says. Support your husband, strengthen your husband. Be there when it seems like everything is going crazy. But have your life in order. And if it doesn't look like grandma's bed, you're not doing it. Well, I didn't hear him say anything. Oh, you mean it's defined? Yes, it's defined. It has to be defined. Otherwise, you're just doing your own thing. Because every, most, before I was, how many people here were serving God before you got saved? Oh, yeah, I was serving God. I was a good person until I got saved and I wasn't. It was defined. Now, on this idea of not being smarter than everyone else, next week, hopefully, we're going to finish up on this because I do want to get on. 
of hearing counsel. Now, again, see, I need to put myself in a, fr- a right framework to be able to hear counsel. Not just, I'm hearing instruction, but I need to be people, and God's going to tell me how I need to order my life to be like Jesus, to be faithful in the unrighteous mammon, so that God can actually start revealing some things about himself to me. See, if after 20 years you still don't know how to make your bed, I don't have much hope for you. If after 20 years you still don't know what it means to comb your hair or brush your... I don't have much hope for you. Got to say... Now, what I would... The Bible talks about a wise man surrounds himself with wise counsel. See, now I still have a problem with... My wife, she wants to make me mad. She uses a word. It's called grooming. She says, you don't know anything about grooming. There's not a real comeback I have for that. It's a, it's a shame. So I want to surround myself with people that have my good at heart and are willing to take care of me. See, Jim Durkin used to be notoriously late, hardly could make an appointment on time. He surrounded his people, self with people with watches. And that would be like, Jimmy, you need to get to this meeting. You need to get, and he'd be like, okay, well, I'm trying to get there, but I need to talk to this person here. No, Jim, you've got to get in there, and you, you, you promise. Now, see, what you need to do is find out where, you, where you're really weak and get somebody. See, my wife said, you need to comb your hair. Now, you know what my response is? Well, I did, but it doesn't look like grandma's. See, okay. And so, this is, I, you think this is funny, but this is where you fall apart. This is where you fall apart. I don't have but you know. Now, women, I want you to hear that. I want you to get your lives in order. I want you to sit down with your husband, get a vision for your life in God, get a vision for your calling here in God, start getting your family in order. See, because I'm telling you, all things are going to hit. And you need to be ready and have that in order, moving along well, so that you can be that help that God has created you to be. Fathers, I'm talking about finding God's direction for your life, speaking that to your children so that when they're... 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 40 years old. They're moving right along what you've instructed them to do, and they're strong. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. When is the uh, Mother's Day thing? When should people come? Just for setup. So when when is the actual dinner? When should six o'clock? Okay, I just want to be sure. Okay, then. Everyone's invited. Go find a mother and bring her in. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.